Welcome everyone in the name of the Lord. Today we'll start our service, which is the Lent Wednesday service. Next Sunday it will be Palm Sunday, and we'll have a service also. And then we'll go to the Holy Week. We'll have a service on Monday, Thursday, also Good Friday, and also on Resurrection Day. So God bless you all, and we start by the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, the Lord is faithful to forgive all our sins. And now it's time to confess your sins before the Lord. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I announce the forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus Christ is the life and resurrection. The life came to die. Stay with us, Lord, because we need your life in us. We are here, Lord, listening to your word. So let's be something created in us and the church may be in harmony with you, Lord, as a true body of Christ. Heavenly Father, Blessed Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, we are here to worship you and to listen to your word. So bless our time and bless this service and this worship and forgive all our sins in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you have all the glory at the source of resurrection and life. Amen. And now we'll have the first reading from the Old Testament, from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, from 31 to 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors, when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their weakness and will remember their sins no more. Amen. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. And now we have the second reading from the book of Hebrew. Every high priest is selected from among the people 
and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was hurt because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Lord, have mercy. Thanks be to God. And now the reading of the Gospel. It is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, from verse 35 to 34. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again he took the twelve aside, and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, 
and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these days, he has spoken to us through his Son. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, grace, peace, and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to all of you. We come to you, Lord, asking your mercy and your blessing on all of us and everyone who is listening to this message, that you may bless everyone and give them a message according to their spiritual needs. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The message today is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, from verse 31 and 34, which the Word of God mentioned, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, although it was like a husband, I was like a husband to them. So God usually used this figure, husband and wife, because his church is his wife or his bride, and he is a husband. Says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the Lord for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them says the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin will remember I will remember no more this great covenant that the Lord had done with the people of Israel and the people of Judah and uh, the first question why he mentioned both because you know the Israelites divided into two main kingdoms the northern one which formed from ten tribes called the kingdom of Israel and the southern one called the kingdom of Judah and it had two tribes 
Benjamin and Judah. So here the Lord is making a kind of reconciliation between him and all the Israelites. Although the northern kingdom was so bad in their relationship with the Lord and they went astray from him and did a lot of errors and mistakes, went after idols, worshipped the foreign gods and got mixed with uh, foreign nations and they got married from them and so on but still the Lord loved them so first of all he, he talked to both the kingdom of Israel and Judah north and south to gather them as one nation Israel so he said I did a covenant between you and your early fathers but unfortunately it didn't work not from me but from your ancient fathers you know the covenant itself was made by God many times in the Old Testament and the first covenant was done by the Lord himself and between him Adam and Eve so after falling in sin they felt naked so what the Lord did he had clothes from a skin of animals or from leather and he put on both of them to cover their nakedness and this skin came from an animal and this means he killed an animal and shed his blood and had the skin to make clothes to cover both Adam and Eve and also the covenant came from Genesis 3.15 when he was talking about the descendants of the woman that will hit uh, the serpent and the serpent will hit uh, the heel of the man hitting the heel will not cause death but the man will kill the serpent and this is exactly what Jesus did on the cross many uh, icons in the old churches they had a picture of Jesus Christ on the cross with a skull under the feet when he was crucified and sometimes he have a serpent under the cross and this means Jesus had victory over death and over the serpent so the Lord did many covenants as I said before he did a covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob he did a covenant with the people of Israel when they were in the wilderness and he did 
other many covenants in the Old Testament. But here he is talking about a new covenant. And you can tell and read some references here to help you understand about this new covenant. Like in Hebrew 9.15, he said that Jesus Christ is the mediator of this new covenant. And also in Hebrews 8.13, Romans 8.17, he said that we as the believers or a part of this covenant, we became heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ when we accept what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and enter in a new covenant with him. In Hebrews 1-2, he said, the Son has been appointed heir of all things. Being a co-heir with Christ means that God adopted us as his children to share the inheritance of Jesus Christ with him. So we are children of God, not by nature, but by adoption. And so when we say, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, I can say about myself, I am the Son of God, I am the daughter of God, but the difference between us and Jesus, we are His sons and daughters by adoption through the blood of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is the Son by nature. The covenant to be done, it has some conditions. And this condition should be kept by both parties, or maybe more than two, in the covenant. Number one, there should be parties maybe between me and you, between me and my wife, between me and my co-worker, and so on. So there is a covenant. And also when somebody is hired, they give him or her what's called job description. And the job description means what you will do for this job to be paid. So, there is a covenant here between the owner of the business and between the workers. So, he said, I need you to do this, 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 this is the job description. And on the other side, I will pay you this amount of money. So, number one, parties of the covenant. Number two, an issue or the title of the covenant. So, for example, for hijab, it's title of hiring somebody with 
the agreement between two parties. So when God made a covenant, this means he had a title for this covenant, and this is the title between God and us, or the people in the Old Testament, that if you follow all my commandments and be faithful to them, the other side, I will bless you. And I will, uh, like he said to Abraham, I will make your descendants like the sand on uh, the beach or like uh, uh, the rain. You cannot count the sand on the beach. Why? Because it's very hard to do that. The meaning here, it's unlimited blessings and for this reason we have now the title of the covenant it's with relation between God and us if we do this he will do that and the third part of the covenant is to be faithful to the covenant so if somebody breaks the covenant what will be the punishment when God did his covenant with Abraham, or many in the Old Testament, he asked Abraham to have an animal, to kill the animal, and divide it into two halves longitudinally. And this was the Lord said Abraham to do, but he didn't understand till God came as a fire between the two halves of the animal and passed between them. And the meaning here, if you break my covenant, I will cut you longitudinally and I will kill you by fire. Or the fourth item of the covenant is to sign the item, to sign the covenant. And so the sign can be done by blood. So when Abraham killed the animal, he shed his blood or its blood. And this is the sign of the covenant. And how can God sign the covenant? By passing through the two halves of the animal as the fire. So fire here represents God, who signed the contract on a sacrificial animal Abraham killed to shed his blood. So there is a reason why we have this in the Old Testament as a kind of ritual uh, application that if you are unfaithful to this covenant, I will cut you like these two halves of the animal and I will kill you. And this is what we call theologically the curse of the covenant. So if you keep the covenant, you will be blessed. 
and you will be multiplied. But if you break the covenant, you will have the curse of the covenant. So as God and Abraham walked through the two halves of the animal, they signed the covenant. And the meaning is, if you break this contract or this covenant, the same should happen to you, man. You will be split into two and die just as it happened to the animal. And this is what we call theologically the curse of the covenant. On the other side, if we keep the covenant and are faithful to it and to the other party in the covenant, we receive the blessings of the covenant. So the covenant has two sides. Maybe a blessing or maybe a curse. The blessing of the covenant will be too much, as I said, God will bless those who are faithful to his covenant by the blood and will bless them in number and in quality too. So their lives will be sustained and they will continue to keep the blessings of the promise or the covenant as they are loyal to the other party. From that day that the Lord did the covenant with Abraham and his descendants, this covenant had the power of God, that God is in us by his blood. In the Old Testament, this meaning was so hard to grasp. So the people, most of the time, they didn't understand the blood covenant. I call it the blood covenant. So they didn't understand, and many times they didn't keep these promises, like the two kingdoms of Israel, the northern one, and the southern one, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judas, they couldn't uh, keep uh, all the time the covenant, so they became unfaithful. And the Lord was so merciful, so he didn't kill them right away using the curse of the covenant, but he gave them more and more opportunities. How? by a new covenant. And this new covenant, the Lord said in Jeremiah that I will make a new covenant, not like the covenant I had done with your forefathers or ancient father, because this new covenant will be with my blood. It will not be with the animal blood, which is nothing comparing to the blood of Jesus Christ, 
but it will be with my blood. So the differences between the old and the new covenant, the old one, it was through the animal and shedding of the blood of the animal, but the new one through the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of the animal was temporary, and its effect also was so temporary. So every time you sin, you have to have an animal and to confess your sins on it, and the priest took the animal, killed it on the altar, and shed his blood, and so your sins, you confessed only, will be forgiven. But what about the sins you do after that? No, you need to come again with another animal to kill and sacrifice and to use this blood uh, to, to forgive your sins, you just have confessed. But the blood of Jesus is eternal. As he mentioned many times in the book of Hebrews, that the blood of Jesus is eternal. And the sacrifice of Jesus is one. And it cannot be repeated. And also the effect of this sacrifice is eternal. So every time we confess our sins before the Lord, we don't need to shed blood. Because his blood is the most precious blood. Because it came from unsinful person who is God in flesh. And for this reason, the forgiveness he has done for us is unlimited. So all your sins already had been forgiven on the cross. Like those people who will be born and we don't see them yet on this earth. Jesus had forgiven all their sins too. So what is the meaning of we confess our sins? And the pastor say, oh, upon your confession, I announce the forgiveness of your sins in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. As every time we come to confess, this means we come to repent. Because the sins already had been forgiven. And unfortunately, some churches, they don't understand this theology. But they say, oh, we have, no, we have to offer the sacrifice of Jesus every time we worship him. And we have to confess our sins before a person. And this person can pray for our sins to be forgiven and then we take the absolution. No, this is not the Bible. Bible said that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is once and for all. Cannot be repeated. Cannot be completed means it's final and complete. So no one can say, I come to add something to what Jesus did on the cross, like I do good works 
I do this and this and this so I can have more sense to be forgiven. This is wrong, unbiblical teaching. Because if Jesus didn't forgive all the sins through his covenant on the cross, this means his work on the cross is incomplete and should be supplemented. And so, why he came? He came for no reason. If you think this way, that you can, by your good works, forgive more sins, or you can have salvation in Christ, or you can have the eternal life by your good deeds plus what Jesus did. This is unbiblical. Jesus did it all without any need for any additional work. So this is the covenant of Jesus Christ. We talked about the curse of the covenant, the covenant itself, the conditions of the covenant. It is called the blood covenant. And we talked also about the blessing of the covenant. Because Jesus died once and for all, all your sins are forgiven. Just to come every time before him and to confess your sins means come as a repentant to know what Jesus did for you on the cross. That no one else, even you, whatever you do, can forgive one single sin of your sins. A part of the covenant is knowing the future. So God is the part of the covenant who knows the future. We don't know. So when we come to submit ourselves to the Lord and have a covenant with him, God knows the future of every one of us. Go back to Adam, or even before the world created, God the Father and Jesus his Son looked down into time and space, and they knew that Adam and Eve were going to tempt it to sin, and they would give in to the temptation. God knew Although he created them, and he put them in the Garden of Eden, and gives them everything, and gives them authority, which is number one, over all creatures. But he knew that they, will, they would fall in sin. They will break the covenant between them and God and they will not be intimate to each other anymore. They will not be the good side of the covenant anymore with God. And for this reason, the curse of breaking the covenant for Adam and Eve and all their descendants is death. So, 
the curse of the covenant between God and Adam, Adam and Eve fell in sin. So the curse of this covenant, because they broke it, was death. So Jesus should make a new covenant, because it's logic that God cannot create humans and he knew that they will uh, fall in sin and then he created them and he he knew that they will break this covenant god has a solution for this because he knew the future and the solution is to have a new covenant in the person of Jesus Christ through his incarnation to be the second Adam and to shed his blood again to make or renew make a new covenant or renew the old one by his blood it's not that only, but he took away the curse that on humans. When he said on the cross, it's finished. What is finished? It's finished all the work I came for it on this earth. It's finished. I paid the price for all the sins. It's finished. I renewed the covenant or had a new covenant. And this covenant, I signed it by my blood. So it is a new blood covenant signed by the blood of Jesus Christ. For this reason, we call him, he is the substitute sacrifice for the covenant and for us. He, on the cross, represented every one of us as their blood or sister brother. Blood brother or sister, blood sister means very close to him in this new covenant. And this is the reason why we call he, we call ourselves his brothers and his sisters. Why? Because he did this by the new covenant on the cross. He let us enter this covenant by his blood. So we became a part of the covenant of God in Christ. For this reason, our destination is not anymore the hell, but the eternal life. Some people may ask, by the way, Jeremiah, when he wrote these uh, verses in Jeremiah 31, it was about 700 years before the incarnation or the first coming of Jesus to become the second Adam. Some people may say, why God was so late? 
What about the people who died during these 700 years? What about those who don't have, who didn't have any hope in God because the devil has them in his kingdom? And the answer for this is God has his own time that we cannot understand. But the good news is Jesus, when he died on the cross, the first thing he did, as mentioned in the Apostolic Creed, he went to hell and took all the people from the Old Testament who died on the hope of the coming of the Messiah and his resurrection. So those people from the Old Testament died maybe hundred or thousand years before the incarnation of Jesus, they became a part of the new covenant. And he represented all humans, including those people who died and had hope on the Messiah. Accordingly, we have no cares of the covenant, means we, the death has no authority over us. The death has been gone. The victory was in the person of Jesus Christ, who became a perfect substitute for every one of us. So through this covenant you became a brother and a sister to Christ. How? By his bloody covenant. The blood is not like when I say my brother, my brother by blood means he is the same uh, from my parents, father and mother, but here you became a brother and a sister by the blood of Jesus Christ means you became a part of the covenant and not that only but also you became an heir to inherit with Christ. So my question to you now is you heard about the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, and what Jesus did. And my question to you, where do you stand? Are you still, say, I am a sinner, I am a sinner? I am a covenant breaker, like the first Adam, and I deserve to die as a sinner? and suffer eternal punishment in hell or you really trust the Lord that he took the punishment and died for you that way God had planned before even he created you before even he began the time itself it was a plan to bring you back into good standing with your Creator. And now you are, if you believe that you are a part of this covenant,
you became a brother and a sister or a son or a daughter to God. You became a friend with God. You became a member of the family of God. Through adoption, you became the child of God through his blood that will live forever and you will have the eternal life. Jesus had completed everything for you. So remember that. He offers you the gift of salvation by grace for free. He used the Holy Spirit to convince you to come to faith, to justify you by faith. And also he is working hard inside you all the time to be sanctified, means to grow and to be mature in Christ. If you believe in this, you are in the covenant. But if you are not, you need to think and pray, repent, and come ask the Holy Spirit to empower you, to convince you that you are justified by faith. And since Jesus, your covenant brother, has more power than the devil, you are no longer under the devil authority. You are no longer the devil's slave to sin. From now on, you may approach God, the Father in heaven, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and not that only, but also as the true child of God, you will go out by the same Spirit, the authority and the power given to you by the Holy Spirit to carry and to preach and teach the good news of the new covenant to everyone. And this way, when Jesus will come again, or if he comes now and takes us with him, you can say boldly, here I am with all those I preach at them, and they are my children in faith. So remember that you are in a fellowship with God and the covenant of Jesus, which is a new covenant, has been fulfilled and completed through his love and his grace. And may God richly bless you as you do that and trust in the Lord all the time of your life. Amen. And now we have to confess our faith by the creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, 
by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And now let us pray. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and the praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those who are in authority, the presidents, the leaders, the pastors, medical staffs, the doctors, the nurses, technicians, and those who are working hard to save the lives of the people, during this season of coronavirus, we ask you, Lord, to bless them all and to guide them by your Holy Spirit to do the best that can glorify you. We ask for strength, for guidance, 
and also for the healing of all those people who are suffering from coronavirus or other people who are suffering from other sicknesses and diseases. We know, Lord, that you are in control and your hands may heal them all. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For President Trump and for all public servants, for the government and those who protect us, that they may be upheld and strengthened in every good deed. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who work to bring peace, justice, health, and protection in this and every place, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who bring offerings, those who do good works in this congregation and the other congregation, those who toil, those who sing, and those who work anything in your church and are waiting for your great and abundant mercy, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For favorable weather and for an abundance of the fruits of the earth, for peaceful times, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our deliverance from all affliction, wrath, danger, and need, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Rejoicing in the fellowship of all saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and our whole life to Christ our Lord. To you, O Lord. Amen. And now we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty and the merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Amen. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. We are waiting for you next Sunday for the Balm Sunday service. God bless you all, and hopefully we can see you face to face very soon. The Lord be with you. Bye-bye.